Somebody please get me a Tums as the Cubs win another nail-biter, this time against the Tigers, and Seat Suzuki is starting to show some life. Let's go. You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cubs. Shout out Matthew Cozy, part of the Locked On Cubs podcast network, your team every day. I'm Sam Olber. Please support the show by following on your preferred audio platform, and you can watch, subscribe, and leave a comment on YouTube. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. We are lifelong fans taking our passion into a discussion with you. On all things Cubs, this episode is presented by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB or enter promo code MLB for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Whew. Exhale. Take a breath. Breathe. What a ball game. I, I told you guys on Monday. Told you guys on Monday. You got teammates like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, the Bash brothers, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. And then you got Spencer Torkelson and Carrie Carpenter. I kid, we laugh, I joke, but seriously, these guys are on fire. I I said it on Monday. I was concerned about it, and they made life Very, very difficult on Monday night. Let's get into the game, get into the action, do a little summary, and then we'll talk about it all. Cubs got off to a nice start with a couple of gift runs from the Tigers, an air, a wild pitch. Uh, Javier Assad threw the ball very well again. Uh, Another quality start. I think that's six straight quality starts for the Cubs now. Uh, Seiya Suzuki, we'll talk about him later at a home run. Cubs had a comfortable three-run lead heading into the eighth inning where Michael Fulmer came in. Fulmer gives up a double to Torkelson. What new? Single to Carpenter. What new? First and third, nobody out. Then it gets where it's time to start blaming Fulmer. He goes 0-2 to 4-2 with a walk on Matt Veerling where, you know, you can make the case it was strike three, but then the next hitter, he got a gift strike three. So his base is loaded, one out for Baez. And this is really my only issue with the entire game in terms of execution. I understand that, you know, and JD said it, you made your pitch, quote, you know, quote, unquote, you made your pitch. To Baez, right? Fastball in, broke his bat. It resulted in a a fluky broken bat double down the right field line. I I just have to fight that. I just have to because we've watched Javier Baez his entire career. Why invite contact when there's bases loaded and one out? Why would you want to risk something like that happening when you could just go for the strikeout? Javier Baez is a strikeout hitter. Michael Fulmer is a strikeout pitcher with that low and away sweeper. Throw it to him and see if he can take it. My guess is he wouldn't. So that was aggravating. And then they tied it on another blooper and a, a hit here. And it was just, 
it was a a frustrating inning. And then Daniel Palencia, who who I believe deserves MVP consideration for tonight's game, uh, Monday night's game, I should say, comes in. Game has already been blown, right? 5-2 becomes 5-5. First and second one out. Here's a kid who has had major control problems his last few high-leverage outings coming in. I, I understand there weren't a lot of people there. Who? Why would there be? But uh, there's mostly Cub fans. But it's still a hostile road environment after you know your team just blew a lead. Two on, one out. He could have easily crumbled, and he got out of the inning. That was that turning point. It, it, it's obviously to a... a 50 billion times lesser standard, but it's like it's the same game flow as game seven of the World Series when Chapman came out after he blew it in the eighth and just got that scoreless ninth. That was the key. And then Kyle Schwarber gets that base hit, and you're saying to yourself, All right, you know what? We do have life, guys. We do have life. That was like Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes hits that double, and all of a sudden, I I kind of woke up from my slumber. I, I wish I had like an Apple Watch or something. I, I probably should purchase one. I don't know why I don't have one, so I could just keep track of my steps during these these games because I got to be doing some serious cardio. And then once Gomes got that double in the corner, you're like, well, hey, we could still win this ball game. And then I, I thought magical not bunting was brilliant from Ross because nothing to do with the result either. It's just you had two, three, four for Detroit coming up in the bottom half of the ninth inning. So one run probably wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't. So he played for multiple runs there, and, and, and the Cubs were able to score two and win the game. I, I just want to make a point on Ross really quickly because I, I was getting the tweets, you know, oh, this is on Ross. He should have taken Fulmer out earlier. And I know it's very easy for, for me to say, uh, because they won, but I would—I promise I would have said this if they lost. This was not a Ross game. You guys all know I'm the first one to point out when there's a Ross game. Friday was a Ross game. This was not that. If anything, I thought Ross really helped him today. I thought he managed the game appropriately. Julian Merriweather and Adbert Alzali were not available uh, today. So his hands were kind of tied. He went to Wisniewski for a few pitches. Wisniewski got the job done. Quas got the job done. Fulmer was probably the guy he had the most faith in today. It's not you don't take out Michael Fulmer or get guys somebody warming up because he gave up a couple rockets to guys that are just absolutely scorching right now. Uh, the only thing Fulmer really did wrong outside of what I pointed out with the pitch selection and that still was soft contact was walk Veerling. Otherwise, it was a broken bad hit from Baez, which we just talked about. I still think it was poor from from Gomes and and Fulmer, you know, making that pitch. And then it was a, uh, you know, a blooper from McKinstry that may or may not have, should have been caught, and and that was pretty much the gist of it. So, you know, I, I think that you know when you look at it, it's it, it, you can't just come out every time and blame Ross when things are about to go south. I know I give the the uh, indication that I do that, but I, I do feel like it's appropriate when I do it. Uh, uh, Monday night wasn't one of those uh, cases. And look, this game was one of those games, and I know it's cliche to say, but you have to say it. It's a game they would have lost earlier in the year. It just was. It's just a game that they absolutely 100% would have lost in May and June. They, they, they lost all the momentum. They could have crumbled. And again, they didn't because Palencia came in, put out the fire. And then Jan Gomes, who I think is one of the 
you know, I, I know Dansby is the, the the de facto leader on this team. I, I get that. Um, but but Jan Gomes to me is just not far behind. I just he just makes so many winning plays and leadership plays for this team. And that double, it just got everybody uh back on track and feeling much better about the situation. You know, it it, it it's such a big win too, because you know, when you look at the series, I was concerned about it. And, and and the game that scares me the most is Scooble on Wednesday afternoon. We know the Cubs have struggled a little bit against lefties here recently. He's a good one. Cubs, you know, after a you know day game, after a night game, they've been worse during the day. It's all those, you know, all those concerns. Well, now you get one. If you could just find a way to get Tuesday, uh, you, you did your job in Detroit. So, you know, overall, I'm trying to make sure I didn't leave anybody out, but credit to everybody. It was a, a very big win. Um, you know, the Bellinger insurance uh, hit was huge. And, uh, you know, it's just a game that I love those grind games, guys. Those one run, grind it out. I, I will say when when Leiter Jr. was facing Meadows and he hit that ball, I, I, it's embarrassing to say because it didn't even make it to the track. But for whatever reason, Leiter Jr. like put his hands up. And so when he put his hands up, I was like, wait, did he just give up a walk-off homer? I didn't think it was hit that well, and then it wasn't. But that was a scary moment, but 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 huge win for the Cubs. Every win now is huge, so, so there's no even point to say that. And they got a, they got a lot of help uh, from a certain right fielder who's having a little bit of a 2023 renaissance. We talk more about him next, but first... This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make, make you look good. As summer is still in swing and fall approaches, enjoy this time of year with Bird Dogs shorts and pants. Now listen carefully, folks. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. There is nobody that needs more help with leg looks and aesthetics than me. And that's why I love bird dogs because I haven't done leg work in about 12 years. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They also have an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB or enter promo code lockdown MLB right now to order. And when they do, when you do, they will add a free white tech hat with your purchase. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB or promo code lockdown MLB. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. The Cubs play the Tigers at 5.40 p.m. Central on Tuesday, and you can listen to every pitch with the Cubs' hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. On the SXM app, search Cubs or tune into Channel 844 and catch the Cubs all season long on SiriusXM. Well, look what we have here. Welcome back to the show, by the way. You are back. I'm not reading anything anymore. Seiya Suzuki. He got I use in quotes, if you're watching on YouTube, benched earlier this month. And since that benching, he has an average well over 300 and an OPS well over 1,000. And when it comes to say, uh, it's it's tricky because, you know, no, first of all, we've been very hard on him on this show. And that's why it's time to give him his flowers a little bit. I think that Seah has proven in his brief Cubs career 
he is at his best in the following two conditions. Number one, off a fresh mental and fresh physical break, right? Like when he first started the season in April of 2022, it was his best, best month of his career. Then he went to the IL. He came off the IL. July was a really good month. This year, when he came off the IL in May, he started out, or I think it was late April, he started out really well. He seems to be really good when he's fresh mentally and fresh physically, and he seems to really struggle when he starts to just play every day. The grind of the season catches up to him. He gets into, into a bad habit, and he thinks too much. I, I also think part of his success right now could be attributed to Cody Bellinger and the rest of the Cubs offense because a, a while ago, Matt and I, before the Cubs got hot, we did an episode where we discussed the Cubs potentially acquiring Juan Soto in the offseason. And one of the cases was for that is it, 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 when you get a superstar like that, it makes everybody around you better, right? Uh, because it's less pressure for everyone else. Now, Cody Bellinger has basically been a better version of Juan Soto since July. And I think when Seiya plays now, he doesn't feel like he's such a fixture in the lineup. He he He's, you know, hits sixth, he hits seventh. And, and if he makes it out, it's not that big of a deal anymore. He's not hitting in a three, four hole and people are expecting a lot out of him. He's just a piece of the puzzle. And I think that's, that, that's really helped him. Now, you know, I'm not going to sit here and and say, hey, you know, He's going to hit like this the rest of the year. He's the savior for the rest of the year. It's not there yet, but he is having success. And, and these back-to-back -back performances that he just had uh, on Sunday against Kansas City and Monday against Detroit you know, might have saved the Cubs from two losses. They, they were two one-run wins where he hit solo home runs, and, and that's absolutely huge. As far as, the, as far as the baseball part of it for Seiya, why he's having more success right now. I, I, he's definitely more aggressive. Uh, he's definitely more aggressive. I, I still think the best version of him is when he is taking some pitches, but he's just taking them with strategy. He's not just taking a take, and he's not just swinging to swing, but, but, but he actually is doing things with conviction and reaction instead of just kind of predetermining what he does. I, I think the best version of Seiya Suzuki is that at bat he had uh, Tuesday night against the White Sox, where he, you know, he he worked a full count. He laid off a bunch of borderline pitches, and then he just punished a mistake. And, and that's the second part of why he's having success is he's punishing mistakes. He got a mistake on Sunday from Lyles. He got a mistake on Monday, and he's not missing them. And when you don't miss mistakes, you're going to have a lot of success because pitchers make mistakes. That that that's the name of the game. If no pitchers ever made mistakes, not a lot of people would score. Um, so credit to him. I think it is a, you know, it says a lot about him. I mean, you know, he's not a big talker of the media anyway, but, you know, he never complained and, and he never really was benched that long. I actually was advocating to give him some more time. Uh, so it wasn't like he, he missed that much time. I think he missed maybe what, like two games against righties before he became a, an everyday player again. But I, I still think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And, 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 you know, the beauty guys of, of being in a pennant race is that no matter what you've done up until now, if Seiya Suzuki were to hit 330 the rest of the year with eight, nine home runs and be the best hitter on the team and the Cubs make the playoffs, nobody's going to care about his May and his June and his July. Nobody's going to care, right? We're all going to be like, man, Seiya had a little bit of a benching and then he became our best hitter the rest of the way and we're in the playoffs because of him. That's the beauty of playing winning baseball. And he has that opportunity and good for him. I hope he runs with it. 
Uh, before we get out of here today, we're going to talk about Drew Smiley returning to the rotation, and we're going to talk about that next. We're back here on Locked On Cubs after yet another dramatic victory. I'm still kind of coming down from it, to be honest with you. Uh, and on Tuesday night, Drew Smiley is going to make his return to the rotation. The reason for this is pretty simple. Last week, the Cubs didn't need a five-man rotation because they had two days off. Marcus Stroman was supposed to come back. He was supposed to take that spot in the rotation with him and his broken rib. Uh, the Cubs need to add a fifth guy. The candidates basically were Smiley or Wisniewski. I know some people wanted to throw Wicks into consideration there. I don't think that was realistic at this point. Uh, so Drew will take the mound on Tuesday. Uh I don't I don't really have much on this. I think it's the safest option for Ross. I I looked at the Tigers and their splits. They're pretty much the same against righties and lefties as a team, and, and they're hitting really well right now. So I don't think that plays a huge part in it. Uh, I'm hoping to see Smiley go maybe once through the order or or maybe about four innings. Uh, and then, you know, go straight to Wisniewski. Wisniewski pitched on Monday night, but as I said, he only threw six pitches. So he should be uh, available for a full workload on Tuesday. And, and I think I think the Cubs, I think their best chance, you know, with this rotation that has been pitching well recently, but I just don't think, I don't think a, a starting five of J, uh, Jamison Tyone, Justin Steele, Kyle Hendricks, Drew Smiley, and Javier Assad is very sustainable. Uh, you know, to really do damage in the postseason. So I think for the Cubs to to have some success, they're going to have to find and, and get creative with it. And, and maybe this Smiley to Wisniewski thing will work. I don't even know if they're going to use Wisniewski, but I would assume so. And, and hopefully, you know, Smiley could just compete and 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 give them a veteran presence. So you know, that's kind of my take on it. I don't have much on it more than that. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. I just. My, my takeaways, I just don't think this five, just running those guys out there as starters, uh, is really the answer. Uh, but, you know, who knows? We'll see how he pitches. And, you know, I, I, I think you're in a really good position now getting this game. It, it, it was one of those it was one of those games that felt like if you didn't get it, it, it could set up a really, really torturous week because you know, you don't love Smiley on Tuesday, but you think you should be able to do damage against their righty. And, and, and then you got Scooble on Wednesday against Tyone, who hasn't been great. And, you know, you felt like you could be in a little bit of trouble. So I, I, I thought it was a huge win to get. I, I know, guys, I, I know that everybody's like, you know, the, the easy thing to say is, well, man, they're barely beating the Royals. They're barely beating the Tigers. I said on Monday, I was a little nervous about this. Barely winning is how Milwaukee is in first place. You have to be able to win these close games. That, that's what I said was going to be the key for the Cubs to get to the postseason. And, and right now, they're winning more of them than losing them. And, and that's what it's about. And, and not only did you solidify uh, on Monday night your, your third wild card spot. You actually took over the second spot because the Giants got beat by the Phillies. If you could just stay hot here, if you could just keep grinding these games, you're going to put yourself in a position where you have some breathing room soon enough in the postseason picture. So, so keep grinding. Enjoy it. 
Um, I will be live on Tuesday night. I'm almost positive after the game. Uh, I, I should be able to, I think I have everything figured out how to do that by myself. So hopefully it'll be a fun game to go live. Game starts at 5.40, so we'll, hopefully we'll be, be able to be live by like 8.30, 9 o'clock. We'll see how the game goes. But please join me for that. I'm going to be answering comments and, and questions and stuff of the second half of that show. We'll get back to doing that. And uh, it's a blast, man. It's a blast doing this show. It's a blast following this team. And and, and I, I just I, I can't believe um, we're at this point, but I'm enjoying every second of it. Shout out to the everydayers who are with us all five episodes throughout the week. And you can become an everydayer by checking us out each and every weekday. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for Locked On Cubs on YouTube and smash the like button for the algorithm. We are also on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts and streaming on SiriusXM. I'm Sam Olber, and this has been another edition of Locked On Cubs.